Spider milk, spider milk. Something really high in protein. Does whatever mammal milk does. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Welcome to Faunafax, where we tell you interesting facts about animals that you hopefully didn't hear before, and we laugh about it, usually. That's why it's not listed under education, and it's listed under comedy. Yeah, this isn't Science Friday. I think it's more fun with giggling, and we're really good friends, and everyone comments on our great chemistry, and I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. If there's one thing this podcast has, it's great chemistry. I don't know about content, but the chemistry is there. (laughs) Oh, anyway, I'm Grace. Oh, and I'm Mads. And today, I wanted to talk about spider moms. Spider moms? Yeah. Spiders that are mothers. And how they are willing to go the extra mile for their spider babies. Oh. So, do you want to start off with most exciting or most disgusting? How are those not the same thing? They are different. One is like, oh, look at this spider, such a great mom. And then the other one is like, oh, such a great mom, but this is the creepy, this is super creepy. Creepy babies. You can either have creepy babies or... Not creepy babies. I definitely think that creepy babies should be the finale. Okay. I don't think creepy babies is as exciting, but we'll start off with... Oh, well, you've just put me... (laughs) No, it's fine. We'll start off... Okay, so this is Hot Off the Press, came out, published in Science last week. And so they found that this jumping spider actually produces milk. Like... What? For its babies. Yes. I mean, it's not... Obviously, it doesn't have breasts, right? But it does produce a substance that its babies need to survive. What? So, yeah. So this jumping spider, which is... It sounds like it's a cool spider anyway. It's an ant mimic. (laughs) It looks like an ant. Probably so it can eat ants. But it, its babies hatch, and then it secretes this substance all out of its the bottom of its abdomen, the underneath its abdomen, and then it deposits it on the ground, and the babies drink it. And then as the babies get older, they start drinking it right from the underneath the mother, like right off the mother. And if they don't have it, then there's a couple stages. So there's one where they need this milk. Then they start hunting for themselves, but they're still drinking a little bit of the milk. And then they're weaned off it, but they're still living with mom. And then they're adults, and some of them still live with mom. It's pretty, it's like what you'd expect from, like, humans? I don't know. Mammals? Vertebrates? Yeah. Yeah, there's this period where they, they if they don't have the milk, they die. Like, they will not grow bigger. And then, there's a point where they don't need it, 
but if you don't give it to them, then they leave the nest and they're much more likely to die because they leave the nest and it's not as safe for them. And one of the reasons they think that the weaned juveniles stick around and that it's better for them to stick around, like they live longer if they stick around, is because the mom gets rid of parasites. How? I don't know, eats them. Oh. I'm not sure. They didn't really say. It's Science does not give you a, like the magazine, not the magazine, the journal Science does not give you a lot of room to expand on things. And this is in their discussion, so they actually didn't quantify this. This is just an observation that they had. Gotcha, gotcha. So they think that's possibly why. And then, because they were looking at these spiders and they're like, so these babies stick around. What are they eating? And that's when they figured out they were drinking milk from mom. So what what is this substance? Like, what is it made of? I don't even know what I'm asking. Like, what mm. is it? Um, They did not say what it was made of. They just said it was a secretion. A secretion from the epigastric furrow, which is, I think, where they lay eggs from. Oh, they do say what it is. Okay, so it's sugar, 2 milligrams per milliliter, fat, 5.3 milligrams per milliliter, and protein, 123.9 grams, milligrams per milliliter, with Four times as much protein as cow's milk. Whoa. I mean, they are carnivorous animals, right? And, I mean, I don't know how much a milligram per milliliter is, because I'm American. <laughs> Even though I do science. But the four times as much as cow's milk is a lot, I think. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty cool, because this is the first time that they've shown this behavior. One, in invertebrates. And two, like... The mom is providing for the spiders without killing herself, which I will get into later. Oh. Yeah. Do you have any other questions about Spider Mom? And this came from the lab of Rui Cheng Quan from a university in Yunnan. Oh, really? Yep. They have a really good um, tropical research center there. And so that's where the team of scientists was from. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah. Chinese. I don't know if it's this spider's from China. I'm assuming so. There's a lot of weird stuff down in the tropics. So so the other spiders I was going to talk about are not... It does not end as well for the mother. Um. So these are creepy babies. As a scientist, I should not say creepy babies. <laughs> but... It, it kind of is creepy. Come on. Okay, and this crab spider, the Australian crab spider, they lay unfertilized eggs for their spiderlings to eat. Okay. They also, she slowly, like, fades away, and they start consuming her, her liquids out of her joints. Until she dies, and then they eat her. What? What do you What do you mean the liquid out of her joints? They like her her insides. Oh my god! Like, drink it away. Yeah, and if they don't, they don't do as well. 
if they don't eat their mom, they don't do as well as uh. others. Okay, then the other one. That's all you're going to say about it? <laughs> what else do you want me to say? I mean, doesn't that seem so evolutionarily inefficient? You can only ever produce offspring once. Well, yeah, I guess. But, I mean, there's a lot of animals that only reproduce once. If you're only going to reproduce once, then... Might as well give your body to the cause. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, pretend like you've evolved to only reproduce once. And then you're like, oh, yeah, but I'm going to be better than those moms. I'm going to give them everything. And obviously, the spiders are not thinking this, but... Eat me, children. <laughs> yeah. So, another instance of... You can see why I was excited about the milk coming from spiders, okay? Because the other instance example I have is when the spider is laying her eggs. I don't know if it's the eggs being fertilized or what, but something triggers this process in her body. And so... She spits out liquid for her spiderlings, but the liquid isn't just any old liquid. It's her guts that are being liquefied. Yeah, so she just feeds them her insides that are liquefying until she dies. But the good thing is, <laughs> if all her babies die, then the process stops. She does not die. I don't know if the process reverses, but she definitely stops the process. I'm sorry. That's the highlight here. All her babies die. She just loses some of her guts. And she might make it through. Yes. Okay. Do you want to know how I feel about this? Was it too gross? No, it's not that. It's just, you know, I don't personally have a problem with spiders. Mm-hmm. Of the creepy crawlies in the world, they kind of, they're lower on the list for me of ones that bother me, but I'm very aware that they're very high on the list of bothering other people. Oh. I just feel like this is not helping. <laughs> oh. No! Look at how great of moms they are! That's not, should not be the takeaway! You don't think this adds to the creepiness of spiders? You literally called them creepy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But they will grow up and do it for their children. Only the moms. Yeah, well, I don't think it's great to be a spider dad, so... No? Why not? Uh, there's a lot of cannibalism. Well, sounds fair at this point. The moms out here liquefying their own guts for their babies like you know if they got to eat a little bit of dad in the process i'm fine with that well no i think the mom eats dad that's what i'm saying oh yeah yeah what is the name of the spider no they give me the scientific name which i probably won't be able to say i think it's a spider in israel yeah some kind of desert spider it doesn't say if the process is reversible, but I know it can stop, at least. By the end, she only has a 5% of her original body mass. Oh my god. Alright. <laughs> okay, that's all I have. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. We probably should have started with creepy babies. You didn't think it would go there, but it did. You know, I thought... Okay, 
honestly, I was like, oh, yeah, they'll eat her or whatever, because I feel like that's not that crazy unusual. But I do have to say the liquefying your own guts and, like, vomiting them up or whatever the heck is going on there, that's a, that's a, that's a step or two further than I really could have imagined. I, I will say. I will concede. That definitely goes into probably the body horror category. <laughs> Which is a great category, you know? <laughs> yeah. But think about the other mom. Giving milk. Then they live together as one big happy family. Except for the males. <laughs> so think about that. That's the takeaway. This is what we thought spiders could provide. But they could provide so much more. Let's put it this way. They're givers. Yes, givers. Above and beyond. Above and beyond. Yep. Maybe more than anyone would want them to do. But, you know. (laughs) You know, they're not hurting anyone but themselves. So, it's fine. Okay. Well, that's all I have. I'm sure there's other terrifying stories of spiders, but I don't have any more for today. That's good. I think that's good. We probably traumatized people enough at this point. Comedy podcast. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Grace. That was equal parts intriguing and horrifying. Maybe not equal parts, but that's okay. My topic for today is, I have to admit, it's a little human-centric, but it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to tell a story of a person, but it's the person's only important because they talk about animals. So do what you will with that. Anyway, this came up for me in two parts. One part was my dad sent me an article about this. And then part two was my friend, Marcella. Hi, Marcella. Big fan. Best, best human. Told me what a group of cats is called. Do you know what they're called? No. Sound very sad. I was thinking, well, my first, I was going to say like a toe pad of cats, and then I realized that was dumb. So, <laughs> I told you it was dumb. That's what I was thinking about. That's why I was sad, because <laughs> that's all I could think about. I mean, I don't blame you now. Anyway, do you give up? You want to keep thinking? Sure. Go, 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 go. Okay. It's a clouder of cats. Okay, that's pretty dumb too, though. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. Apparently, an alternative term is a glaring. Oh, I like that. Yeah, me too. Especially if the cats are uncertain of each other. Mm. And also, for kittens, it's a kindle of kittens. Oh, I think I have heard that one. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I think that's cute. What really amuses me is when I looked up Clouder of Cats to confirm this, I got so many Google suggestions for how many cats is a clouder? How many does it take to make a clouder? I don't know. Probably four? At least three, probably like four or five. I'm going to say four because I, at one point growing up, we did have three cats and I don't want to say that we had a clouder of cats in our house. (laughs) So I'm going to say four cats. So... People have obviously been coming up with terms to describe these collective nouns to describe animal groupings for hundreds of years, but there actually is a source 
that historians can point to that was very influential in doing this that comes all the way from the 15th century. Okay. So it's called the Book of St. Albans. Uh, It was written probably by Juliana Berners, who was a prioress from England. It's also known as the Book of Hawking, Hunting, and Blazing of Arms. It was published in 1486 as a gentleman's catalog of wildlife and hunting and included 165 collective nouns for animal species. And honestly... Wait, how many nouns? 165. 165? Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> so she would have been... Sorry, she was one of the first authors to write on hunting and angling. I mean, this is the 15th century, so getting published at all was a big deal, but she was also a woman, so it was, I guess, an even bigger deal. There's not a lot known about her and not a lot that can be verified, but they think because of her last name and also the fact that she wrote a whole book, she's probably a noblewoman originally, and so she was highborn and well-educated, and then at some point entered the monastic life and became a prioress near St. Albans. It's not really sure, like, why or how or any of that. But since she was most likely brought up at court, she no doubt hunted and fished with other fashionable court people, but then retained her love of hawking, hunting, and fishing and field sports when she adopted the monastic life, which led her to write this book. It's actually a really cool book, or treatise, as is said in this article over and over. Some of the earliest, it's some of the earliest extant writings of their kind, as well as in their vision and insight, because they include topics of, for example, the virtues of environmental conservation and etiquette for field sport. Yeah, concepts that wouldn't be commonly accepted for hundreds of years later. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, I think it might be a waste of time to do 165 nouns in animal groups, but the rest of it. <laughs> this may be true, but it does seem to be that she had a real sense of humor about it. Oh, I see. There are some common collective, there are like some collective nouns she came up with that we still use, like a swarm of bees, a gaggle of geese, a pride of lions. Those all came from her. Oh, wow. I didn't realize this one person. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's very cool. So in having a sense of humor, some of the 165 collective nouns she had included groupings for people. So. Oh, I've heard of some of them. Do you know any? A blush of boys. Right? I don't know. I don't have that on my list, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I have a, I have a, I don't have all 165 because I couldn't find a list. What I do have is a disguising of tailors, a doctrine of doctors, and a never thriving of jugglers. <laughs> yeah. A never thriving? Oh, poor jugglers. <laughs> right. So it was obviously a commentary. On the professions and their success. Yeah. But it was also, it's also funny because that whole list, including the descriptions of people, were called beasts and fowls. So it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing to put 
these collective nouns are he- people as well as with the animals. So it was cl- it was clearly like a little satirical, and so that makes it extra amusing that. Well, that's probably why we have those words today, like a pride of lions. It's because it was funny, so people read it. Yes. And so then it stuck, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. She also came up with a shrewdness of apes, which apparently is still used today, although I had not heard that before, but... No. Apparently that is, like, fairly well-known. And then it's also interesting because people are coming up with these collective nouns all the time, including there's this head guide in South Africa who explains that it used to be a zeal of zebra, but... Now they describe it as a dazzle of zebra in order to paint a better picture of the group. Wait, what did it used to be? A zeal of zebra. And and now it's a dazzle? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought it was a cute little detail. But uh, so then I wanted to tell you a couple of collective nouns for animals that you might not know. Okay. A group of ducks is called a, do you know? Puddle? Close, a paddling. Oh. A group of elephants is called a parade. Hmm. Okay. I think most people know a murder of crows. Yeah. I don't, I couldn't figure out if that was from her or not. Unclear. Hilariously, a group of giraffes is called a tower. A tower of giraffes? Uh Uh-huh. I guess <laughs> and then the group of hippos is called a bloat okay that one's pretty funny too <laughs> but i don't some of them are so specific that unless you come across these animals a lot i guess we say a pride of lions though a lot like that's in scientific literature mm-hmm. it's so interesting how some of them have caught on and some of them have not right i mean a swarm of bees that was from her right yeah that's absolutely what you call it yeah, exactly. Hmm. A couple other funny ones are a convocation of eagles, an ostentation of peacocks, a business of ferrets, a skulk of foxes, an unkindness of ravens, and a parliament of owls. Oh, I like that one. Me too. So yeah. Oh, well that's nice. Yeah, I figured it was someone who was, like, trying to be funny when they thought of all those names. Mm-hmm. But when you said it was from the 15th century, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's one of those guys who's, like, too full of themselves. But it sounds like, no, she wasn't. Yeah, it's so interesting. I've never heard of this person before. I've never thought about that the Pride of Lions could have been a concept from 1485. It makes so much more sense, though. Why do you say that? That it was from that time. I feel like they had really wacky concepts about animals. So, but she was publishing before the printing press. Like, she wrote this book before the printing press, right? When was the book published? 1485. 1486. Oh, okay. No, the printing press was in 1439. Oops. The Gutenberg Press. Mm, That's date to put in your head (laughs) that's so early incredible yeah i guess it makes sense though but yeah Hmm. okay wow learning all sorts of things (laughs) 
Yeah, so not learning that much about animals besides humans, but those are some interesting some interesting human facts. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yay. Well. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. You want to send us off? Yeah. All right. So thank you for listening to Fauna Facts, podcast about fauna and facts. If you would like to see visuals for this episode, you can find us on Instagram at Fauna Facts Podcast. Or you can find us on Blogger at fonifaxpodcast.blogspot.com. And if you want to email us at any point, you can reach out to us personally. Or if you don't know us, you can reach out to us at fonifaxpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, etc. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.